0: In this episode of Engaging Podcast, we talk about what to do about getting help on campus for active learning outside of the PACE Center. So we have as our guests, Taylor Martin, who is the director of the STEM Center. Also, we have Mary Swarda, who is the associate director of the STEM Center. So first, thank you for being here and spending your time with me today. Thank you for having us. Yes, we appreciate the opportunity to share with you. And um, the the first question that we're, I'm going to ask you is, what is the STEM Center?
1: Well, funny you should ask. The STEM Center um, is an NSF-funded organization here on campus. We have been around for four years. And the purpose of the STEM Center is to increase the number and quality of STEM graduates from Sam Houston State University. Um, and we do that through a three-pillared approach of uh, preparing students for success academically, for supporting active learning in the classroom, and plugging students in to research uh, as early as possible.
0: Okay, so my, my standard first question for everybody on the podcast, um, so that was question zero, now we have question one. What is active learning to you? Well, I'll go first.
1: Okay. Because then anything that Dr. Swordout says is just a let's like she's copying off of me. So that's why I <laughs> want to go first. Um, active learning to me is where the focus of instruction is student centered. So active learning is anything that falls under the umbrella where the student is the one in charge of what is happening. And how quickly it is happening and the direction in which the classroom conversation goes. Um, Active learning is anything where the student directs the pacing of the course and um, the learning that happens. And so anything that is not just um, the instructor as being the one who imparts the knowledge on the student, but active learning is where the students are in charge of taking control of their own education.
2: Yeah, and I'm, I'm just gonna piggyback off of that. As was mentioned earlier, um, when that happens, when we have a student sort of at the center of what we're planning and working on uh, instructionally, um, it begins to feel more like a collaboration in the classroom rather than you know, the old phrase sage on the stage or a chalk talk kind of thing. Um, and as a mathematics educator, And sort of having the opportunity to be um, exposed to some of the learning theory, what we're really talking about is constructivist learning theory, where it's saying that students construct their own knowledge. And so we want to provide them with opportunities. And as instructors, we get to then decide what are the interactions, what are the problems, what are the tasks, what are the questions that we want to use in our classrooms to kind of help our students not only build the knowledge that they're going to need, but retain it. You know, that's one of the things that I like about um, thinking about active learning is that the payoff is more than just the next test or the next assessment, but it's really helping students engage uh, meaningfully so that they are building those sort of Networks in their brains that sort of stay with them as they progress on to the rest of their program. And I think the challenge, you know, for all of us is um, in order to do that well, you have to really know your students and be able to, um, as Taylor said, you know, know when to maybe you need to slow down when you have to do a re. Um, imagining of what it is you thought you were, you were going to do. And then you saw the reality in the classroom and it didn't quite match up to what your expectations were. So I think it's, it is this sort of dance or collaboration between the learner and the instructor.
0: Can you tell us how active learning fits into the mission of the STEM center? Actually, the mission
1: of the STEM Center was crafted around active learning, is, is really the answer. Um, so, the, the main goal of the STEM Center, uh, as I mentioned when I introduced what we are, is to increase the number and quality of STEM graduates from our institution. and. The STEM center exists based on a seed idea of taking a lot of the pedagogy or teaching styles that has long been um, adopted in the math department and other departments um, across the College of Science and Engineering Technology um, and across the entire university and um, to just expand them and and help them um, help those pedagogies become more firmly rooted as in, in what Sam Houston does. I think that the STEM center will be successful when it's no longer active learning. It's just learning because the other way of learning is, is, is now called passive learning or or boring (laughs) learning. Um, but we, we really seek to normalize student engagement, um, as the way to learn because, we know that that's how we learn, you know, um, scientists and, and education researchers certainly have done a lot of investigating into, you know, how do we, what is knowledge and how do we retain it and how do we create it and how do we talk about it? Um, and, and action is always part of that conversation. So I would say that it's not just that active learning fits into the mission of the STEM center, but really the active learning is the mission of the STEM center where we want to not just graduate these STEM majors, we want to train them. We want our students to graduate with the training and the skills and the knowledge that they need to go change that big old world out there. Um, And so you can't do that without, creating your own knowledge. you can't do that with asking without asking your own scientific questions and answering those questions. You can't do that without diving deeply into the disciplinary content that we learn in schools or that we do in research um, or that we you know turn into our careers. And so all, all learning should be active learning.
2: Yes, and I think part of the other the other thing that we try to do, in trying to support those students to be successful is helping them get on board with this is what learning is going to look like in a college classroom. You know, a lot of our students, particularly over the last pandemic era, you know, that, that has maybe not been the experience that they've had in a mathematics or science-oriented co- uh, course where they're having to sort of um, participate in things rather than, as as someone said earlier, passively um, uh, accepting knowledge or or, not being engaged in the same way. So, because the active learning is sort of a centerpiece of, of the STEM Center's mission, I think part of what we want to do is to help students ramp up and and gear up to be ready for those kinds of interactions and not be surprised by it, right? That that you're going to be asked to do sort of higher level thinking, that you might have to do um, additional work outside of class or come up with ways to support your learning through um, accessing tutoring help or other kinds of resources that are available on campus.
1: Yeah, I gave a very meta answer and Dr. Sordak gave a a much better, more practical answer. Um, so I would add to that now <laughs> that uh, the, the nuts and bolts of how does active learning fit into not just the mission of the STEM center, but what does what does the STEM center do is that summer bridge course offering that Dr. Shorat mentioned. So um, in that, we, we do try to get students ready to be engaged learners by um, thinking about their own thinking and thinking about how they learn and how they study and all of those things. But also from the faculty side, we want to um, nudge faculty in the direction of doing the same thing, thinking about how they teach, thinking about how their students learn, thinking about how the faculty members learn. Um, because we, we as faculty members learn and grow so much through creating a course and, and thinking about how students engage with the content and, and stuff like that. So um, on the faculty side, The STEM Center offers several programs and workshops and things like that to support faculty broadening their own um, offerings in the classroom. And one thing that we do there is a program of mini grants where we'll give faculty a little bit of funding to be able to spend on equipment or um, TA support or just time spent developing materials or contents um, that will be something that our students can like really just get their hands in. So um, we have supported things like um, virtual labs um, during the pandemic, where if you think about, you know, a lab is exactly hands-on learning. How do we do that in a remote setting? So so we've supported things um, like kind of flipping technology and figuring out how to incorporate activity when we're in a virtual setting. Um, We've also done things like um, project-based learning where if a faculty member wants to have their students learn through, you know, discovering um, through a specific guided project. um, And so the STEM center can provide support for materials and time and, and um, TA support to be able to experiment a little bit in the classroom um, and, and nudge those faculty members towards teaching in a way that maybe we didn't learn because most faculty on this campus um, were came of age in the old university ways, which were that idea of a stage on a stage where um, someone, the, the instructor had all of the knowledge and they, you know, wrote on the blackboard and got chalk everywhere. And 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 the students were responsible for frantically taking notes and then engaging with those notes later and independently. And so for instructors, it often is a learning experience to really think about, well, how can I do that in a better way that gets the learning to be happening in the classroom? And so uh, the STEM Center supports that mission as well.
0: So you've partially answered my next question. <laughs> which is how can faculty seek support from the STEM Center for effective Learning? So uh, you've you've mentioned some things, are there more things? um, And the the answer is, I know there are. So tell me about all the things.
2: (laughs) Well, one of the first things that we're excited about getting back to is our physical space. Um, The center is located in Farrington Hall and we have two um, classroom setups, room 213 and 217. And those rooms can be reserved um, by going to our website and using the room reservation link to do that. Um, One of the classrooms is set up to be more of a traditional kind of classroom, although it's tables and movable chairs and lots of whiteboard space. And the other one's really much more flexible with lots of whiteboard space and movable chairs, tables, um, kinds of things that work well when you're trying to, to get your students to collaborate and maybe do some of that project based learning. So, for example, I know that one of our mathematics colleagues is holding one of his class sessions each week over in that flexible space. So he's bringing his graduate students to that space to be able to do some of those active learning kinds of things and encourage the kind of collaboration um, in the content that that he wishes to see. So um, that space is beginning to be used more uh, as we are back to sort of face-to-face instruction. Um, And again, um, the space is open each day. People are welcome to go by and um, the main STEM Center office is right between the two classrooms. Um, And so uh, you can go and check it out. Taylor mentioned the um, mini-grants that we fund, and the deadline for that this year is going to be um, November 15th, and I just was working to plan um, a writer's retreat for Friday, November the 12th, and that'll be a time from 9 to 2 when folks can come and see the space see if they wanna write a grant to use the space. Um, They can get some coffee or tea, they can come for lunch, they can talk to previous grant awardees um, and work on their proposals and get feedback and help um, during that time. Um, And again, we just want that to be a a place or an avenue that our colleagues can use you know, maybe it is that piece of equipment that's holding them back from doing the thing they wanna do, or maybe they do need the stipend support to be able to spend some time in planning to redesign a unit in their course or a topic that they're interested in. Um, We also, um, during the pandemic, put up something we labeled the remote active learning uh, webpage that's attached to the STEM Center's main page um, I think at this point, um, we're probably going to just revamp that to just say active learning web page and remove the remote because I think what we're all um, finding is that some of the things that we turn to during our remote teaching um, are things that still work when we are seeing students face-to-face. We still want maybe those interactions Uh, that we got through video or um, interactive whiteboards or video links or other kinds of things. So uh, we've got a whole set of materials that are there that um, folks might be interested in. uh, And we have links to those information about those um, that that can be accessed just through our Web page. And Taylor, maybe maybe. Would you talk a little bit about great scope? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was was going
0: going to to tell me that we're continuing to have it. That is (laughs) an excellent question, Brandy.
1: Um, So as Mary mentioned, one of those remote active learning tools, which we have put up there, we were thinking in the Zoom world. But really, what they end up doing is fostering a classroom environment that amplifies everyone's voices. So for things like um, using a web whiteboard where all students can be on the board at the same time, um, students aren't competing for time or space anymore because everyone can be there at the same time. And so that's just one small example of how the tools that we initially turned to to, you know, foster collaboration in the remote, world are actually supporting equity in the physical classroom too. And one of those tools is Gradescope, which is really just a grading platform. But when I say just a grading platform, I think that um, takes away from a lot that what what Gradescope is. So when we think about student feedback and grading, you know, often the passive learning way of thinking about grading is that an instructor assigns a number or a letter to a piece of student work that that determines its entire value. But really, in the active learning, which is now just regular learning world, um, grading is a collaboration. It's it's an exchange of dialogue between the student and the faculty member, and all of that sounds very um, you know flowery and isn't that just cute and ideal? Um, but a system like Gradescope enables structure and feedback to be transparent, but also from the faculty perspective, it allows, it's a time saver where we're giving more meaningful feedback and we're saving time doing it. So some of the cool ways that you can use Gradescope are to have students submit their own work um, as a PDF document that they would upload and then a faculty member can create a rubric with which to assess that work and you can create that as you go. So if you're just looking at one specific question or problem let's say and you know as you would typically with pen and paper be kind of marking off well you're doing that through a grade scope and so that that record is saved and so you no longer have to apply the same thing over and over again you actually just click a button that says oh i've already given one student feedback on this particular topic and and this next student also needs that same feedback so click there it is done you can do that with things like comments as well, um, so you can embed comments. Also, those if you're either assigning points or deducting points, those specific rubric items are tied to a specific point number. And so every student gets the same um, correction associated, so you don't need to worry about um. I would I would never admit that you know the 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 same annoying error that is worth half of a point in student number one's work is worth you know two points by the end by the time I've seen it fifty times and I'm just really angry that we haven't gotten over this yet. Um, that's no longer a concern in Gradescope because you know the faculty members own personal rage um, does not factor in to the numerical representation. Um, And another really cool way that Gradescope can be really efficient is on grading um, physical exams. So what I love to do is just take my giant stack of exams that my students have written on, and I just take them to the copier and I scan them in and upload them to Gradescope. And Gradescope does a ton of the legwork where it will separate out each student's own individual exam. It will sort them by pages and problem numbers. And so when I go in to grade, um, it's really just an automated process uh, where the organization is already taken care of. So I don't have to flip through a stack of pages. It's already there. It's already organized. Um, and I can copy over rubrics from prior assignments. So if you know if, if this is a, a test question that looks remarkably similar to a previous homework problem, I could just copy and paste that rubric in and it's already there. Um or, you know, if it's something where I'm assigning students a, uh, a specific project or, or something to do that they do over and over again, which is something that I do when I employ uh, a technique called standards-based grading, where the students are um, continually working on a specific topic, it just makes that copy-paste in terms of assigning uh, progress um, really easy. So anyway... I've talked about Gradescope a long time without telling you that the STEM Center has sponsored a trial membership of Gradescope and we hope that faculty are using it to engage uh, with their students in you know, feedback and meaningful feedback that the student will read and consider and, and think about. Um, and that we do hope that beyond the trial membership that the university will see the value in this and uh, make it a more long-term partnership
2: it's very interesting that i you know without any prompting in my um junior level proof and logic course one of my students said oh my gosh i just love grade scope i just i think if if people had been using that the whole time i would have been doing so much better and i went really and then <laughs> just kind of asked her a little bit more about about that and and then other students chimed in and said yes this is so much you know, I'm getting better, you know, feedback. I, I, you know, it's easier for me because it's easy to see where to do it, how to upload it um, and how I can show you where my, where my problem is on which page of my work, if it's something that's not standardized, like a worksheet or recording sheet of some sort. So I was really kind of surprised that, that, that kind of reaction came from students in my class because I wasn't sure that they really we're noticing some of those things, but I, I appreciated that them telling me that because it did sort of confirm that. Oh, okay. Yes. That's good. I
0: love grade scope so much. I promise <laughs> I'm not getting paid by grade scope, but like I can give, I, so I do positive points. You can do positive uh-huh. points or negative points. points. And so right. I do positive points. And so my students can see what they got, but they can also see what they didn't get. Didn't get. And so mm-hmm. like, that is really helpful to, to them, but then also from their perspective, if they don't like the grade they got, which happens, you know, um, they can just Off. press a, a button <laughs> and it'll send me an email and they have to like put in a little message about like oh I did this thing you know and usually they're right when they do that actually like you know mine didn't align correctly or something and so uh-huh. you didn't grade it. Or, you know, whatever happened. But but so it's super easy for them also to seek feedback or seek, um, I don't know.
2: Follow yeah. up, sort of follow up information. But, yeah. if something's not clear. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it really does take something that is faculty kind of views as boring or tedious or some hypothetical faculty member might view grading as boring and tedious, but it really takes that idea and turns it into actually a collaboration between the student and the faculty member where it's not just a grade after the fact, but it's, yeah, uh, it's a communication on metacognition and and identifying what the student does and doesn't know and and helping the student to uh, grow in that way. It really feels like a, like a
0: collaboration, but so that's part, yeah, why I love it. Yeah.
1: I would add to uh, to the the bigger question that we're answering is, you know, how can faculty get support for active learning from the STEM Center? And that question I would answer with anyway, um, because the STEM Center is not like a place that you go to to get something. The STEM Center is everyone. Uh, we really seek to be. Um, really just a connection point and, or maybe a a community builder where um, we want all faculty to view themselves as part of the STEM center. And we are very receptive to ideas of what faculty need. So um, if there's a particular need or even just a, a vague idea that faculty members have, they can come to us at the STEM center. You can find our contact information on the STEM center website, or also every department in COSA has an advisory board member on the STEM center's advisory board. And so um, you can have a conversation with your advisory board member, or if you would like to be an advisory board member, we also welcome that uh, where we just, um, we just seek to be in touch with what are the needs in the various departments and, and how can How are they not being met or how are they being met that we could support and add on to or expand? And what can we be doing to support our faculty? Because quite honestly, you know, student success is only going to improve as part of supporting our faculty to, you know, providing fruitful discussions and to providing, you know, content that is rich and deep. And, and, you know, and I think without without faculty who are valued and supported and encouraged to grow and thrive, we aren't going to be able to engage our students in that active learning. And so the STEM center really views, even even though the mission of the STEM center is focused on the student, that funnels through the faculty
0: members. So... <laughs> I, I'm going to go off the script a little and ask you, um, just as humans, what is your, the, the moment in the STEM center and, and being a part of the STEM center that you feel the most proud of? I was not prepared to answer this
2: question. Wow. Um, (laughs) I would have to say just because the way I got connected into the STEM center before I became the associate director, I was just there to help with the building of the summer bridge program. Um, And I am just really proud of the way that has developed and grown. I, I just think, especially when we were having to pivot on a dime, suddenly when things went remote, um, I think we did great, um, work in, in continuing to grow that program. And we learned some great lessons that, you know, um, if we hadn't been forced to go remote, that we wouldn't have learned, right. That, that we were able to maybe reach more students and maybe a di- more diverse body of students, um, to engage them and and try to build community. And so even though we were um, meeting virtually, um, I feel like, especially in this last summer, we really began to see uh, the community building happening. Um, And I just feel really um, proud of the things we've been able to do. And and while those numbers aren't the, the numbers that we'd like to have, I think for the students that have chosen to be there and engage, it has made an impact. And now we're just looking for ways to continue to grow that um, and use the materials and the work that faculty on campus have created. Um, that's that's when I that's what I really connect to.
1: Yeah, I think in some ways the Summer Bridge program has become what learning would look like if it wasn't graded or, you know, wasn't this sort of thing that, that, um, you know, must check this box towards the progress towards my degree. Um, But, you know, what happens if you just throw a bunch of students who are eager and excited um, into a collaboration with a bunch of faculty members and a bunch of grad student TAs on let's, let's think about how humans think about math and chemistry and engineering. And just see what happens, and it, it is really lovely and beautiful. Um, I guess because Mary took that answer, I would say that one of the things that I am most proud of is our physical space, yes. uh, which was shockingly difficult to to get mm-hmm. uh, to secure because you know we're a large campus with a lot of people and a lot of interests as to where the space should go. Um, but once we once we got our hands on the rooms. 213 and 217 in Farrington. I think that was a really pivotal moment for us because now we're able to, um, become a place where we can bring people in. We just, you know, can get bodies into the door to do any number of things, but we really have put our stamp on the actual space with kind of the design and the, you know, bright, you know, it is, I just walk in there and I want to learn. Um, and, and I just want to draw on the walls and put beautiful pictures up and, you know, just, and I want to have a dialogue with the people that I'm around when I walk into the STEM center's physical space. Um, the pandemic did derail that a little bit because sort of, uh, we, we, we barely, you know, had the ribbon cutting ceremony in September of 2019. And just a few short months later, um, we weren't able to, to use it anymore, but we're really excited about how that space can be utilized and how students and faculty alike and, and, student groups or anybody can just come in and, um, just learn and grow together through that space. And, um, I was going to say something else and I totally lost what it was and, oh, and, uh, uh the, um, through Pace Center and the engaging spaces, um, I think that's sort of a, a nice partnership that we've had where some of the ideas um, that, that the STEM Center pulled to like create a space that was very flexible and um, able for students to really be the architects of their own learning, um, that the engaged team was able to take some of those ideas and go to other spaces oh, yeah. on campus and sort of uh, share the knowledge and, and spread the wealth there. So hopefully um, within the next several years, we'll have a lot of opportunities for students to just walk into that room where, um, you know, when I walk into one of the engaged rooms or in, in, into the STEM center room, I'm excited. I want to learn. I want to fill up these whiteboards. I want to grab that marker. And, you know, uh, whereas, you know, if I walk into a traditional lecture hall, I want to drink my coffee and fall asleep a little bit, or, (laughs) you know, or maybe in a positive way, sit down and pull out my notebook and, you know, get ready to, but, you know, I'm, I'm focused in one direction. Whereas
0: um,
1: in the physical space, it's just
0: so much, so much possibility. Yeah. Those rooms are definitely beautiful. And actually I was, when I was, I, I was part of designing one of these rooms, the engaging spaces rooms Mm. and I had an, an entirely different thing in mind and then someone said, well, why don't we go look at these rooms? And I I said, okay, let's go look. And I was like, nope, nope, this is what I want. I <laughs> want these chairs are amazing. These tables, I love them. Yes. Um, I wasn't planning on whiteboards, but I think I ended up with the same whiteboards in the end. So I just, it was a straight yoink of all the ideas.
1: <laughs> and a welcome one at that. I mean, this now we have was many.
0: Yeah many beautiful classrooms. Hopefully we get more. Yes. Um, I do want to back up to Mary's comment about the bridge summer bridge program. Um, because I don't know a lot about that program and I'm wondering as a faculty member, can I get students into that or how does it work?
1: Yeah, you totally can. Um, so the, the summer bridge program has grown over time. It, initially was created as a way to target students who are entering one of our courses at Sam Houston that typically has the least successful students. Um, So some of those courses include Calculus 1 and our Pre-Calculus class and General Chemistry 1 and now 2. And we've also expanded to engineering technology classes as well. So students who are going to be taking one of those courses in the next semester, typically, but sometimes in the next year um, are encouraged to take our Summer Bridge course and It's really a two-part curriculum where half of it is targeted at some of the foundational skills and content that the students will need to conquer in order to really be successful in that course. So sort of the the top items that faculty wish that the students knew about. And the other part is just teaching the students about how to learn. We call that our frameworks portion. And Mary can talk a lot more about that because she is the frameworks guru. Um, But also I would add that Yes, faculty, we would love for faculty to send their students into the bridge course, but we'd also love for faculty to come and be part of the bridge course because the bridge course can only expand as much as faculty are interested in coming on board to engage with students uh, through the course, either either the virtual version that we've discovered is really robust at, you know, getting students who have complicated lives, like jobs or or recent family life or reasons why they can't, you know, come to campus and and take it in person or hopefully the the reimagined in-person version that will hit up next summer as well. Both of those need faculty members to make them work. So, students and faculty, welcome there. And we pay for it. I mean, it's free for students and uh and faculty are compensated for their time and effort. But Nobody's Mary tell them about, about that. That's right. Mary, tell them about frameworks.
2: Well, um, we've had really good um, uh, engagement with that. what we when we went remote, um, we we did it over a two week period, so ten days, Monday through Friday. and we decided that we were going to have a synchronous piece and that that would be the place where we would engage in this learning about learning kind of work, the frameworks um for our um, program. And so um, we had students join us on Zoom from 10 to noon each day of the week um, and then had opportunities to talk with them about things like growth mindset and about metacognition and about scheduling and timing and um, also gave them opportunities to hear from a panel of students and a panel of industry um, folks that were from these uh, program areas that they are interested in, that their programs are related to, um, heard from some dynamic um, motivational speakers um, throughout the weeks uh, as well. And we had really good engagement with that. I would say, you know, on a typical morning this last summer, we had between 60 and 70 students that were logging in to do that two-hour um, part we didn't get as much engagement in the content modules, even though we know that they, they're they very robust and they're um, well presented. I think the you know uh, complexity of student lives, et cetera, made some of them choose not to engage as, as much in that content. But um, as we move to thinking about this next summer, uh, I think we've learned some lessons and some things that we can do to maybe... Um, increase, maybe it's two options, one that's virtual and one that's in-person residential kind of uh, experience. Um, and it, 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 I think we get feedback from the students that one of the most beneficial things they um, take from the program is the opportunity to get to know faculty and being able to put a name and a face to the people that are there. So so that they feel a connection, maybe they've never met really in person. For example, one of our math instructors, you know, one of our chemistry TAs just dropped into her office a couple of weeks ago to ask a question about SPSS simply because she knew that person. And so she felt she could do that when her instructor wasn't available for this quick question. She just went to where she knew there was a connection and used that, right? So um, those are the kinds of things that we really want to continue to foster. And as Taylor has said, we need more faculty to help us do that, Um, especially if we're going to be expanding to sort of two versions of things. So if there are faculty out there that Want to help us make those connections and to share in that building of community? We would welcome, welcome, welcome their um, participation.
1: Yeah, I would say teaching the summer bridge course is one of the most fun teaching opportunities because you have up to a hundred students at a time that we've had in the in the virtual world and in the physical yeah. world. We've had about like twenty five in a in a group. Um, who all are excited to be there and they want to learn and, and they're choosing to make this commitment and, and investment of their time in order to be better prepared for their upcoming classes. And so that, that vibe is already just really wonderful. And then just the relationship that we can develop with the students where, you know, I've had students who didn't have me in their next class, but maybe, you know, a year or so later They took a class with me and we already were on this great footing from having done the summer bridge together and just a really fun environment. And it's really cool to see our students who go through it and then, you know, have this like aha moment or have this like really great, then next thing that happens or, or, or just have the leadership skills or, or the awareness to, you know, be a leader in their next classroom where, you know, maybe they otherwise would have felt insecure or just lack confidence, but they come in and they say, well, I already know this professor and I already have these really good tools in my back pocket. And so I'm gonna chat with my neighbor on the first day and I'm gonna you know, build into a study group or whatever. And just sort of minor tweaks like that can just make a profound impact on the, on the vibe of the classroom and the success of the student.
0: Well, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Uh, one last question I wanna ask you, it's very quick. Um, where can we find you on the web?
1: We're at shsu.edu slash STEM center. And when you're on that page, you will have access to things like our remote active learning strategies. Um, also information about our mini grants and where to, how to apply to those because our application cycle is currently active. Also a link to Gradescope and a way to access um, making a room reservation for the STEM center space. Um, And then you'll also just see fun pictures and other things that we're up to. Fantastic.
0: Thank you so much for your time and the work you're doing at the STEM Center. um, And also the work everyone at the STEM, I know not everybody involved in the STEM Center is here today. um, But I also want to thank those people for working with you on, on all of the great things that you're doing.
1: Yeah, we have a great team and we are looking to broaden it. So come be a part of
2: our great team. Yes, thank you for inviting us to share.